please note, this episode was recorded before the social distancing rules for the coronavirus came into effect, so please apply this information sensibly and appropriately based on current circumstances. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. My beautiful guest today is Sarah, and she is in Adelaide, which is a city in a central southern part of Australia. And today we're going to talk about persistence. That's our underlying theme of this conversation. She has had a lot of experience in the last five years of challenges with not just inflammation and battling the condition, but also with various medications and the side effects that she's experienced with those. And so today we're going to talk about various medications that she's been on and and how that worked out or didn't work out couple of different diets that she's tried and what worked and what didn't work, and then how she now feels today, which is the best that she has felt with rheumatoid arthritis since she was diagnosed five years ago by being uh, persistent with the Patterson program and all aspects of that program, not just the dietary component, but exercise as well. So with that, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me. Thanks, Clean. I'm very excited to be here. Talk about my story. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, we uh, we tried to set this up many months ago, but things got in the way, various uh, various just, you know, timings and so forth. So I'm really excited too that we finally made this happen. So why don't you take us through, first of all, how you how you feel today? Like what's you generally, how do you wake up? What sort of level of, of discomfort do you have? Um, I, look, I was just talking to my husband earlier and I said, I still feel a bit sore in the morning and I'm a bit, you know, stiff and walking out, getting out of bed. And he said, look, we're in our 50s. I'm the same. Don't worry. And I suddenly looked back before I did this podcast with you and I looked what I've achieved in five years. And when I wake up with a little bit of stiff fingers and, and uh, you know, that's probably about it in the morning, I'm thinking, wow, I've come such a long way from lying in bed in absolute agony with probably the biggest pain I had was the bursitis in my shoulders. And it was like, I think I likened it to someone stabbing me in the shoulders at night. And I'd have to get up at three in the morning, take a couple of Nurofens or Panadols to get me back to sleep. So uh, I was really struggling and I had lots of um, injections in my shoulders to deal with that. My feet were so swollen, I couldn't walk to the bathroom. I and and my husband, you know, he said, I, I watched you just practically crawl to the bathroom. And then even picking up a hairbrush, I couldn't clean my teeth because I couldn't wrap my fingers around the toothbrush. And I had to get in a hot shower almost every morning just to loosen up the body before even getting going. So that was sort of perhaps five years ago, the start of it and the process. Uh, yeah, it's been quite the journey looking back now going, I'm feeling great. Mm, wow, what a transformation. So you've seen your fist-making ability completely transform, your ability to walk on your feet without that horrible swelling and pain. 
Um, and those yeah. shoulders, obviously, uh, keeping you awake at night. So some ma- like a massive turnaround. Huge. Just writing my story, I was suddenly going through it. Yeah, looking back to do this, I'm like, mm. wow, this is great. I feel good. So probably five years ago, I I think what's happened. It was it, you know looking back, it goes it goes a long way back. And looking back, I think probably ten years ago, a doctor said to me, your white blood cells are very low. Your neutrophils are very low. Have you had an infection or something? And I said, oh, well, I don't think so. And they continued to be really low for a very long time. So I'm not sure if that's a kind of a thing. It could have been an infection. The other thing I had was um, the B27 parvovirus in my bloods from quite a long time ago. And I thought, oh, that could be something. I don't know. But about five years ago, I just got a lot of wrist pain. Uh, I did a lot of Pilates. I was very fit and healthy, not really healthy, but looking back, but my wrists were terrible. And I went and saw a wrist surgeon. I had braces on my wrist. And at that time, I was studying nutritional medicine and I I was doing my health science degree. I thought, I've got to get a degree before I'm 50, quick, get a degree. And that's so I was studying studying three kids at school, uh, moving house, renovating a house. And I think that is the Mm. catalyst as Mm. we have, you've discussed a lot with people, where was the turning point? And then I'm at my daughter's Christmas concert and at school and I sitting down and I know, like you've said, when you sit down for a long time, when your knees are in that position uh, and you've got nowhere to stretch your legs out, yeah. I got up and I fell over and I, my knees just didn't hold me up and that was like terrifying because I'm like something's really bad and I almost had to get my knees lubricated again to be able to walk again and that was the day after that I called the rheumatologist who I actually knew, gave her my, uh, back, you know, just told her my symptoms and she said come in and see me. And that's when I had all the tests and she said, you've got rheumatoid arthritis. So it wasn't like a, it was a sort of a long looking back and the rash, that's what I was going to say. I had this rash that had started and I went to see dermatologists. What is this rash? And I think I had a biopsy and they said, you've got uh, granuloma annulari. I don't know if you've heard of that. I don't know, but um, kind of stuck with me for a long time and on and off. And I'm thinking it was sort of on the torso, on my arm, uh, and it sort of goes down on your legs a bit. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm falling apart. What's (laughs) what's going on? Um, Yeah, so that was sort of five years ago when it was diagnosed. And the rheumatologist goes, here's your sulfasalazine, your Plaquenil and your Methotrexate. Off you go. See you later. It's a really hard thing to suddenly except that you have to take medication for life, as she said, and and I just wasn't dealing very well. So it took me oh, three months before I took the pills. Okay. When I, yeah. Now, just backing up a few moments, the rash that you have on your skin, was it considered autoimmune related or un- independent? No one knows. No one. T- no one can tell me. And probably the last few years, I've it's it's um, I've noticed it came up a lot after Christmas holidays. 
of course, my, you know, have a couple of drinks, diet's changed a bit in your way. Uh, and then since I've been back, now it's February, I've been back home, back in the routine, it's really gone down again. Back wow. on the food. So definitely food, a lot of food and autoimmune. It is definitely autoimmune related. Right. You uh, see it. You see the trend as we see with, you know, inflammation in joints, the same kind of trends if you start yeah. getting off. Yeah. Okay. I feel, and the only time it disappeared was when I was on prednisolone. Right, that makes sense too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Miracle drug, yay! (laughs) And then it wears off when you go. Oh, that was fun for six weeks. (laughs) So jumping back on the story here, you've gone with plaquenil, methotrexate, sulfasalazine as the recommendation straight off the bat from the rheumatologist. So she's she's opened your account with a very very significant amount of medication. Uh, just starting on one of those three is quite common. Starting you on all three at the same time is very aggressive. So, do you did you were your were your symptoms at that point really really significant for her to do that, or do you think that that might have been a little bit aggressive? Well, I didn't know yeah. what was what was aggressive or what was not. She said, this is the protocol by your symptoms and what you're telling me. Look, probably looking back, my symptoms probably got worse. So they probably weren't as full on when I saw her then. Interesting enough, when I finally went, yeah, bite the bullet, I'm going to do this. Um, I can't stand it any longer. I can't cope with this pain. Um, I took the sulfasalazine and I got this, that night, about 10 minutes after I took it, I got this tingling sensation in my lips and I thought, oh, I feel like I've been bitten. I wonder what it is. I didn't know. I didn't put two and two together. And then suddenly I went, oh, my God, I wonder if it's the drugs. And I looked at the packet and it said, if you get any reaction, call the doctor straight away. So I called the nurse and she said, get off it immediately. You're obviously allergic to it. Wow. So that's interesting um mm. so there's one gone. <laughs> there's one gone yeah <laughs> uh then i took the methotrexate uh i think i was on 25 milligrams to start with so we're going hardcore yeah she really um, put you on the yeah, serious and, path yeah it's big and then the plaquenil and i was just looking back on my notes and I, uh, the plaquenil um after a couple of months i stopped that because then I've, I've got written skin rash maybe causing it. The, the rash, they said if your rash gets worse, often after you've been on Plaquenil, the rash never goes. I don't know if you've heard that. No, it's like I've never heard of- that. No, but that's very disturbing as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I just said, you know, I've got this rash. I think at that stage it was sort of on my neck and everything, and she said, look, it could be the Plaquenil. Get off that tick, another one gone. <laughs> I was like, okay, so we're back on methotrexate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, prob- it did help me for a mm-hmm. while. And I think that was probably a good time just to help me through that. But the biggest thing that helped me, I think I was going overseas and I was still struggling. She said, look, let's just give you a shot of uh, prednisolone or the Deprovera or whatever mm-hmm. they call it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's a bit scary. It's, you know, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, now I do, but it was just heaven. I'm like, oh, 
this is bliss, I've gone overseas, I've had a ball, suddenly no pain, I've woken up in the morning feeling great. And it literally lasts, I would, I could practically put my finger on it, it was six weeks. Six weeks and then everything starts coming back and probably worse. So right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Were you home were you home after the time when it started to come back, the symptoms? Yeah. 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 So, okay. So symptoms yeah. returning. You're then on the methotrexate. You're realizing that you're still kind of in a situation here. I can relate on a much smaller scale to the elation of having a drug relieve all symptoms. And for me, that was taking these very high dose of non-steroidal drugs really early on. And uh, I thought all I need to do is just keep, keep taking these every day for the rest of my life. Like I thought that's really, like that's how naive I was. I thought- what were they? What's the Voltaren? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So I'm taking these, uh, and I think and I woke up next morning, and felt great, and I genuinely thought that's great. All I need to do is just take them every day now, forever. I really just, yeah. I really uh, thought that. And then after three weeks, I was on double or triple the dose just to get half the result, and I thought this is now terrible. So I thought, well, I might as well stop taking them and see where I'm at. And that's when I discovered the horrific situation that lied underneath. Uh, so in those three or three or yeah, I think it was three to four weeks that I was taking them, by taking them, I got so much worse by taking them for, for that period of time. So I was maybe a four, five out of 10, took them for three weeks, increasing dosage, thinking I you know, need to suppress this inflammation and then stopped. And after I stopped, I was a seven or eight permanently like it just wow. it wrecked me so anyway um i can relate to having that feeling and then the absolute crushing realization like a ton of bricks that hits you oh my god i'm in grave danger here because the medication that i thought was my savior is actually my enemy and now what am i going to do so and that thing and i'm not a panadol taker as in like a or a neurofin, I never take anything. So that was why it was such a big decision. But when you're in that much pain during the night, and I think that's when I would pop those neurofins, but even then I'm not, I, I wouldn't take a headache tablet. So it was a big thing. But I'm just looking back trying to think. I still think I went to naturopaths and nutritionists and I got onto the fish oil, the curcumin. Uh, on the, then the ripper I got was... Um, Flexal, I think it's Flexal or something, and it's like, oh, cure for rheumatoid arthritis. So I'm popping these going, up, oh, ripper, I'm cured. And um, I got this terrible itchy skin all over, like, oh, my God, what is this? And it had, like, uh, milk products all in it, traces of this, and I'm thinking, this is just disaster. So I got off that. But I think... I think I saw on one of your podcasts all the, you know, hundreds of thousands of things that you took and I've looked in my cupboard and there's every cure in the book. This stops inflammation. This is good. So I'm on the glutathione drops and I'm on this and vitamins and, oh. So in the end I went, bugger it, I'm getting off everything. And I think that's a big thing that we almost need to do, like you just said, get off everything, see where you're at. And mm. that's really important thing. And I suddenly went, okay, let's start slowly. Then I found I was just uh, 
telling you before, I found the Amy Myers yeah. protocol, the autoimmune solution, which is completely opposite to what your program is. Yeah, it's tell, a us, lot of, tell us what they want you to eat on that. Uh, they want you to eat a lots of meat, um, get off your dairy, grains, nuts, seeds, pretty much opposite to uh, you. Well, not necessarily. The way that I like to think of it is a halfway step as opposed to opposite. And let me explain what I mean by that. Yeah. Is what we have in common is that we want no dairy because dairy is the worst, okay? So starting with no dairy, and that's a huge step for people. And, and I've seen cases by just stopping dairy, people's symptoms disappear. And it's not very common. I wish it was really common and that would be really fortunate for a lot of us. But no, yeah. it sometimes. The second thing is that eliminate all processed foods and junk foods. So once we've eliminated dairy, processed foods and junk foods, we're a lot healthier. And that's why... A lot of people who go on something like her protocol are going to feel better and think, you know what, this is this is working for me. This is the go, okay. True. Um, right? True. And also remember that the Patterson program involves the elimination of grains, of nuts. Okay, in the early stages, it does. It You're does. Right. Okay, there's true. there's no true. grains because the science shows that there's inflammation in wheat, barley, oats, rye. All of these things are studied. So that's taken out of the diet and they are tested in later when the body is more able to handle these kind of foods. So there are health benefits for those once you aren't in a highly reactionary inflammatory state. Okay. <laughs> we're laughing if you're not watching this. If you're listening, they were laughing because my daughter just ran in looking for some paper. She wants to draw some pictures. Um, so notice that there are a lot of similarities so far. And the the differences in it occur mostly with the amount of fat intake, and yes. you know, and that's where all the meat, you know, versus low fat with alkalizing pseudo grains. So they're, they're actually seeds, right? So with buckwheat, yes. quinoa, and think also things like millet, amaranth are also included, but not as not as used much by people who follow the Patterson program. And with sweet potato and so, so I just wanted, you know, I think that that's why that's why a non-scientifically supported program like a low-carb, high-fat diet can improve symptoms for a lot of people who are coming from it from a Western diet because True. Western is so bad. True. Mm. Uh Interesting, probably I was a vegetarian going back for 10 years back in the day, uh, probably in my 20s. And then when I got pregnant, uh, when I was 30, I started eating meat and it made me feel so much better. And my husband always said to me, you're, you're one of the healthiest girls I know. Why are you always sick? And I thought that's a really interesting fact because I was always sick. I always had a cold or, you know, I was busy and you get a cold and I get run down and he's just, you know, a meat eater and just would go out and eat and drink whatever he likes and he would be fine. So I, I kind of look back at that vegetarian diet that probably wasn't a good vegetarian diet, I, I don't know, but I was always healthy and fit, always been like that. Introduced me felt great during pregnancy, pregnancies, I had three, and um, 
So I was a big meat eater and not a big meat eater, but lots of veggies and lots of health for years, but was constantly sick. So that's interesting. And since I've been on your program, I haven't had those colds and those things that I used to always get. So that's a really interesting fact. Uh, I'm just trying to look back. Yeah. Why don't we pick it up from when you've, I believe you ditched the methotrexate then and you sort of cleansed from the third and final drug and then you started the Patterson program, right? So um, we, we wanted to talk about how you started it on no medication. So the yeah. challenge, the, the, the climb, the, the inclination of the hill to overcome is greater because you're only relying on natural ways to try and suppress the inflammation. And inflammation cascades as snowballs, builds up the more that we leave it in the body. So it's a hard task, you know, to keep it all under control at a point that's low enough so it doesn't self-cycle. How did you go on Amy Meyer's program before you then started? You know, I was on that probably about eight eight months. I think it did make me feel better and I did go into the rheumatologist and say, I'm feeling better, I'm doing this, I'm eating this sort of food and she's like, oh, okay, well, what drug are we going to put you on now? And I'm like, well, look, I'm, I'm really going to try and not take any drugs. But she, she looked at my inflammation. My fingers started, like I just, she said it's, you're degenerating a little bit from your x-rays and stuff. So we really need to keep that inflammation down. So that was a kind of struggle because I really wanted to go, I'm doing this. I can do this. And when you can't and you, you kind of go, oh, all right, I'm going to, all right, what drug do you want me on now? And then I'd think about it. Then I'd have the prednisolone shot. Then I went overseas and I remember even writing down, okay, I've seen this bloke, Clint Patterson. I'm just going to keep him in the back of my mind. I'm going to go and have fun overseas and then I'm going to start the program uh, in February five years ago, pretty much to this month, five years ago. And I went, yeah, no, two years ago. I've been on your program for two years. So, look, I think I probably did feel better on the Amy Myers and the other bloke I found was Dr McDougall that you talk about a bit as well. So I I think what I was doing is pulling all bits of all of your diets in and then I went, oh, Clint says have buckwheat and quinoa. So I'd have buckwheat and quinoa one day and then I'd whip off and have my, you know, Amy Myers meat and potatoes one night and then, oh, I can't eat nightshades, so I'll get rid of them. And so I think what happened, it was a whole big mess. Everything was too many diets, too many supplements, too many people telling me stuff. But I think in the end, we've just got to get rid of it all and go on your program. <laughs> so I think it's the only way. That's well, I think it's the only way. Well, I, you know, I had a similar experience on a meat-heavy diet prior to the changes that I made. I never wanted to give up these foods. I've always been thin. I did. I thought that if I gave up meat, I'll go from thin to to invisible. You know, like yeah, I, yeah. I, and you know, the reluctance for me to put aside those options on my plate. The reluctance was enormous um, and, you know, yeah, I completely understand and my cupboards were full of the supplements and I was doing anything but just the repetitive but predictably successful path 
of eating the required simple, humble foods each day. You know, our brain wants to just dictate these complicated approaches and reinvent the wheel. But the wheel says you got to keep inflammation low. Your foods need to be alkaline. The foods need to be easy to digest. The foods need to be, um, you know, supportive to your healthy gut, to your healthy gut flora. Um, and that's what these foods can do. And yeah. we, we don't need yeah. to get into the I way. Yeah. The big, oh, sorry, Clint. I think the big thing that, because I was studying at the time and I saw your, I started to read your, your notes and your ebook. And I think that just, it's just got me because it makes sense. And it may, and I obviously understood what was going on with my body and the leaky gut and all of this. And suddenly it really makes sense. And I think that's what got me. And I went, okay, I'm going to give this a crack. But if you, if you don't um, do it absolutely by the book, and I was just reading back on my notes, day one, Patterson program, sick of quinoa, sick of buckwheat. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I just want my cup of tea and I want my protein ball and I want, you know, I, I just wanted that habit that I was so used to. And so that's what was a bit of a killer. Oh, it's a killer. But, There's no doubt. Look, the, yeah. reason, the reason that this program isn't basically the standard protocol for everyone with rheumatoid arthritis worldwide is because even those with the disease, a lot of them don't want to do it. Even if they were told to do it, even if they were made aware of it and said, this is going to help you by their doctor, many people wouldn't do it anyway. So it's that, not it's yeah, not just an aware we yeah. we don't just have an awareness issue we have a a a, a desirability challenge as the, well. The doctor said to me, "Not many people can do what you're doing, Sarah," and that's exactly. And even my husband goes, "You know, I admire you for doing this because not many people could do it." And I think when you're in that much pain, and as I was saying, when I can hardly walk. And I'm miserable and you kind of lose the joy in life because you're always in pain and you're trying to explain to people and they don't see it because you can't see your pain. It's it you go, right, I've I've got to do something. And I think mm. that's you just have to, but I think it is an ongoing life change. Mm -hmm. You can't stop, you can't stop this. This is this is a fight. It's not a fight. I don't call it a fight now because it's part of my life. So if you feel it's a fight, it's that's not enjoyable. It's it's nice. I go to yoga. I eat my beautiful foods. I go out. I might have a glass of wine still now after many months. But you've got to you've got to look on the bright side. So I think that's what makes you feel good. Yeah, love it. So you've touched on some things that I want to get to before we take up, you know, too much time. So what I might do, if you don't mind, is I might press fast forward a little bit on um, the first eight months that you were doing the program, because during that time, I think, you know, it was hard, you were struggling, you weren't on any medications, and it was, there were some ups and downs. Um, we communicated inside rheumatoid support, and we had some discussions around medications and how you'd been on them and had bad experience. Eight months later, then you decided, look, I'm going to try a raver. Okay, so tell us how how the experience was on that, 
And then what happened next? I, I think I was I I was telling you before earlier, but I said um, I was reading about everybody in your forum. We're doing so well. Everyone's running marathons, and we're feeling amazing. And I kind of got to a point in about eight months of your program, and I was feeling good, and then I wasn't, and I was doing all the right things, and I was following it by to a T, and that's frustrating when I wasn't getting the complete results like I mm. saw others were getting on your program. And so I remember reaching out to you, what do you think? And my inflammation markers, weren't very, they weren't terribly high, but they were still up a little bit, and... You gave me good advice and said, look, to get your inflammation markers, it's a big struggle without being on medication. So let's, why, why don't you try the Aravar or Leflunamide, as it's called? And I, again, had them sitting in their packet on my kitchen bench for ages going, shall I, shan't I? Anyway, I took them and I was on them for probably a couple of weeks. Sort of don't know if I felt any better or not at that stage. But I was taking my dog for a walk and um, I started getting these heart palpitations, which I've never had in my life. And I had to sort of buckle over around in the park and going, what's happened? Anyway, I pushed on. I came home and lied on the floor and put my feet up in the air going, what's happened? And then I spoke to my friend and she said, I think I'll just might drive you into the hospital. No, I'll be right. I'll be right. Anyway, I ended up in the hospital attached to all this stuff, like just to check my heart. And then I read side effects of this medication can cause heart palpitations, blah, blah, blah. The doctor goes, no, no, it wouldn't be that. It would have to be something else. Anyway, I got off them that day and never took them again. So we're back to square one. Look, it might have brought my inflammation down. I hadn't had a blood test at that stage. But probably since then, I've gone bigger and better. I've, uh, I've maybe it helped a little bit. And then I just took off on the food and, and started feeling really good and, uh, for 18 months. So I pushed through, did it, felt great, 18 months. And I remember putting up on my Insta, I think that's when you commented, yay, oh, my God, I feel amazing. And then I came down and had a really nasty accident. Uh, I was walking my dog in the dog park and he's big. He's lying next to me now. He's a Rhodesian Ridgeback. And he was running around the dog park and smashed into me. And I broke my leg and broke my shoulder. So that's an interesting journey itself because yoga's out the window. And so then we start another whole situation. Yeah. Before, we, before we deal with that segment, um, yes. This 18 months after stopping the Areva, you know, audience is going to think, well, what's different? You know, you did eight months there on the Patterson program and it was ups and downs and you couldn't quite get the results. Then you've done a short few weeks on the Areva and then you've done 18 months and you've, and you've gotten to a point that you feel really, really good before the accident with, the, with, your, with your pet. So yeah. um, what do you think was different? Did you introduce, uh -huh. was it the persistence as we've talked about? Was it just the compliance and not cheating with your, you know, protein balls or whatever else that you were interested in? Or was it adding more exercise? Was it mindset? What was it? I think exercise. I reckon about that time, and I have to have a think about it, hot yoga, 
it's not Bikram, but I do hot yoga. I found a place and I reckon that's when I went, right, I'm going to, I can't do that. So the other thing you always push is the the exercise. So I did five days a week hot yoga. Oh, fantastic. Um, that's going to help for sure. Just, it's almost like a religion now because it just makes me feel so much better. Haven't done my yoga this morning because I've been chatting with you, but you can, I just have to do something every day. And I tend to walk the dog, then yoga. That's your routine. You don't make any appointments until after that. And that's your day. I and love that, it. I love it. It works. It works. Yeah. So I love it. That, maybe that was it. The, the last one or two minutes has been the most crucial part of our conversation here. This is the giant message. This is the, the greatest fruit to eat off the tree. It is that we need to find out what works for us in our inflammation reduction and make that the priority in our life as a habit that does yep. not get interrupted or disturbed because that is our medicine. We need medicine. Our medicine is the daily habit of doing the essential things that keep our body okay when we're either on medicine pharmaceuticals or not. And so... The other part of this juicy fruit is that the component involves exercise. And with a disease that is a joint affliction, and when the only reason to have a joint is for movement, because if we didn't have to move that part of the body, it would be a straight bone. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's only requirement of that part of the body is to move, then movement enables health in that joint. So we make it a must each day to do the things that keep our body feeling good. And part of that, or at least part of the day should involve a, a half an hour, at least 45 minutes, great of exercise to keep our body moving. And, and there lies a strategy that's a long-term successful strategy. So so five yeah. days a week, hot yoga, walking your dog, you're keeping active and you're eating the way that we know supports you as well. So, yeah, very, so, very valuable yeah. little time in this conversation right there. Okay. So how did you recover from being hit by your enormous dog? So, yeah, I'm feeling all gray up to then and then bang. And that that was an interesting process in itself because I couldn't move. I was in a wheelchair for months. Um, doing the tiniest exercises was is can you lift your leg off the bed one inch and down just to strengthen that whole knee. It was my um, tibia, I think it's tibia, the one under your knee. That whole bone was broken. I had a steel plate put in that. Um crushed completely on my shoulder and had a plate put in that which had to be removed three months later so we had no movement we had no movement couldn't do a wheelchair because I could only use one arm the other arm didn't work so look it was a bit of a nightmare um but every single day I put an hour aside on that floor and I would get down and I would do anything I could possibly do and the doctor said to me you have recovered so well and a lot of people wouldn't have persisted. Here's my persistence again. 
with that exercise routine. And I made my own exercise routine and I would do it every single day. I'd keep eating the same food. My husband was sick of making me cucumber and celery juices. (laughs) He was very good in the end at the juice machine. And uh, I just kept my program going with you. But what I found is I started getting some joint pain that I hadn't had before because probably I wasn't doing my hot yoga. Mm. I was talking to you about this TMJ, my jaw joint suddenly got really, really sore. And I'm like, this is weird. My knees, everything else seems fine, but this jaw pain, I was on a lot of medication. I was on Endone. Um, Painkillers, painkillers, right? Painkillers, yep. painkillers. Oh, yeah, not all just big painkillers. So it almost took, uh, oh, I don't know. I think I'm recovered now and we're up to seven months later. So probably four or five months, uh, five months I got back into yoga. I couldn't do a lot on my shoulder and stuff, but I'd do what I could. The sweating, I think, is just you mm. feel like toxins are coming out. You feel good. But seven months later, I'm back to five yogas a week. I'm eating. Still got a plate in my leg. Never get that out. I had to have surgery again on my shoulder and got that out. But it really puts you backwards again. And you're like, oh, here we go. Mm. Mm. But it makes you think about your life and everything else. And uh, you, you're grateful that you can walk. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for where I'm at now. So it kind of makes you think about another whole, you know, uh, it was an interesting process and journey. Right. Um, so quite a sort of a spiritual angle for you as well. Yeah, probably just, yeah, maybe it was because you got time to think. You know, mm. you can't do anything. You read a lot of books and you think. So perhaps that relaxation part of it all, which I don't often get in my day-to-day, it was really important um, mm. and it's calmed me. And I think stress is a massive problem with rheumatoid and most people with rheumatoid arthritis are that busy, mm. stressed kind of person. This was really good for me. So mm. I, I'm, I'm feeling better um, from yoga, back to yoga and back to my same routine and we're feeling great two years later. Wow, what a story. You've had some ups and downs, that's for sure. You've certainly not been the poster child for pharmaceuticals because you've seemed to react to most of them, which, you know, is uh, just just how it was, how it was for you. And um, that's not to say that down the track you might not find one that works or need one for you in the future, but it's just an interesting reflection in your journey that you had reactions to several of them that made you have to look hard and really, really depend on the natural approaches as much as possible. So um, I'm just wondering if there's anything I'd I'd like to ask. Oh, the TMJ joint, you mentioned the the jaw. Did that start a lot after you straight after your surge, uh, your, your accident, because it can be stirred up by sleeping on the same side all the time. See, when we're mobile and we feel good, we change positions constantly throughout the night. We just feel a little uncomfortable, a little cold, a little hot, need to go to the bathroom, whatever. We come back to the bed or move in the bed and we're in different positions throughout the night to some extent. But if you can only sleep on one side because of discomfort in the shoulder, you're constantly putting pressure on that same side. 
that was exactly what it would have been because this is the shoulder broken, I'm lying on this side. So, yeah, that would have been it. So that could have been a thing. I don't know if it was an inflammation. It's Look, it's not too bad now, but it was just a major pain in a joint that Mm. I had never had or experienced. It could be a combination of a little bit of inflammation that previously went undetected until it was aggravated by being used with pressure too much consistently. Did you do anything for it? Did you have any uh, investigative work done? Yeah. I went to a physio who just specialises in that and he just sort of prodded and poked and he just said, look, if it gets worse, um, you know, go and get some x-rays. But look, it hasn't got worse. It's kind of stable at the moment. It's not too bad and I'm, I'm not feeling it as much. So I think that's, like you said, it's probably from lying on it for months on end because you couldn't lie on your shoulders. So not sure if that's a rheumatoid thing or not. Mm. But what was that? Was the, I was going to mention being on the program when I first started, the headaches I got uh, early days and lots of, I, I didn't feel great on your, on the buckwheat. And I just wanted to bring that up because I remember you said to me, just try one grain or the other. So I struggled and had lots of diarrhea and really was a little bit not feeling great. And as soon as I got, no, the quinoa, as soon as I got rid of the quinoa, I felt better. So that was something I I wanted to bring up with people that might have just started the program and whether, you know, you could just do one grain. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It's a a great suggestion. And I see more frequently the uh, the reverse where people – will be on both. They just troubleshooting everything. And then eventually the suggestion is made, well, try separating the buckwheat and quinoa and they'll try just the quinoa because it just tends for most people to be a little more tasty or have a little bit more, I don't know, satisfaction. And yeah. um, normally it's the other way around. And let me point out that this, is, this isn't common. Okay, so the first thing you shouldn't be doing right now is is trying to separate them and think, oh, maybe it's one or the other. It's highly unlikely that pain is being aggravated or being increased by either buckwheat or quinoa, as opposed to an alternative food that hasn't been tested. So we think, yeah. oh, it must be those two. Why don't I try this or this? I'll try rice. I'll try, and people just jump around all over the place. That's right. This that, is this look, madness I've done that we for a long time, mm-hmm. and then reduce it. And look, it does take time to pull one food out and work out what your reaction yes. is. And I think yes. that's the biggest thing: is it this? Is it that? So I mucked around with that, but it worked for me. And that's like, yeah, it it depends. Yeah, depends what you're on. Yeah. But I felt. Uh, And the other thing I was going to talk about quickly was just the supplements that I'm taking now, which seem to be really working. Um, I'm on the B, Metagen Methyl Active, activated B um, vitamins. So is that a a broad spectrum B, meaning like it's a B6, a B3, you know, or, yeah, it's a broad spectrum. And it's got a good dose of B12 in it as well. Okay. so I'm, I take that every day. Uh, probiotics and a vitamin D drops is kind of my staple mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested recently I did an omega-3 test, blood through blood, 
and it's quite low. And I'm thinking, ah, this is interesting because I know that you mentioned the uh, seaweed, which we can't get. Yeah, and I it's, don't been, it's become very off. hard to get recent years with sea pop, mm. with sea pollution and a lack of production in Hawaii in particular. It's become hard to to get. I don't. I'm not eating seaweed anymore. It's too hard to get at the moment without it feeling like you're eating some contaminated stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure whether you got any over there or not, but um, I wanted to try algal oil. Mm-hmm. And I'm just testing that at the moment, the algal oil. And I know that you're not big on oils of any description, but keep you posted on that one. It's and the see- vegetable vegetable oils are the concern, the vegetable okay. oils. So we're a long way from vegetable oils if we're looking at algae or people like taking the you know CBD oil and things like that. These things can be uh, okay and not aggravating. So... Yeah. I'm on that. Have been for about a month, so we'll see how that goes. I'm testing Good. it for my skin and all of that. Hey, so, just just a comment yeah. on the omega three levels. You don't need high omega three levels if your omega six levels are really low. So true. what matters true. is the ratio so much. So yeah, um, true. you know it's not alarming, concerning whatsoever if you've got low omega three levels if you don't have a high omega six intake. So that's what really we need to remember. Um, True, yeah. which it wouldn't be because of Correct. the food we eat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, True. So, okay. Well, that's that's really that's that's really good. Well, um, gosh, some real highlights in that uh, journey. Um, the dog accident. It just it it just reminds us how fragile we actually are, doesn't it? You know, it just at any time something can happen, and and although we shouldn't walk around in fear. Uh, what it does do is enable us to be very, very grateful when we have some calmness and stability in our life. A friend of mine says that we should always celebrate the lack of drama. And I think that's a really good statement, right? So if if you're listening or watching this and right now there isn't a lot of drama, if things are under control, pretty pretty good and, and there's balance and um, pretty happy with progress, um, that in itself is enough to celebrate that, yeah. you know, you're not recovering from a surgery or a, an accident or, or some big um, event like that. So yeah. your persistence has, has, been, uh, has been wonderful. So, Sarah, thank you for sharing with us today. It's, been, it's been great. Well, thank you to you, Clint, for putting this program together because what would we do? It's all your hard work and persistence because you were going through the same thing. But uh, I'm very grateful to you and, and I'll continue with my celery and cucumber juices till the, yeah, t- till the end of time. <laughs> awesome. Well, they're going to do you well, so it's a great plan. Thanks again. Thanks, Clint. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.